Praise God, uh, Slava Christian Center Youth, underground style. Uh, before I go on with the word or the topic of the series we uh, started, um, I just want to give you guys a couple of encouraging thoughts. Um, we don't know when this is going to stop. We have a safe assumption. We have a hope. Uh, we have a desire that this will all end and we can gather in person. Frank with you, I can't stand this. My youth is on Zoom. We're doing everything online. I'm an in-person type of guy. Uh, it is hard for me to sit there and watch someone uh, preach or even me in general. Um, I was talking to my cousin earlier this week in South Carolina and they're in the same boat I think everyone in the country is as far as uh, service online. He's like, he was talking to me, he has six children. He's like, Ilya, every Sunday we wake up the same time that we're supposed to get up for church. We take showers, we get ready, we get dressed up, and we sit down in our living room, we turn off the phones, we turn off any distractions, and we watch service as if we were in the building. You know, now I'm not telling you to do that, uh, go that far, but I know that no matter what service, whether it's online or in person, there has to be a, uh, an effort on your behalf to get yourself prepared, whether it's spiritually or physically. So my advice and my desire is that you stand up and you ask God to open up your heart. Your attention is here. You're not on the laptop and on offer up at the same time. Put your phone down like you would here. You wouldn't sit on your phone if you were sitting here. So I'm asking you for your undivided attention. Amen? Everyone said amen. Even though I can't hear you, I, I, I take it by faith. Now we just read the scriptures by Bogdan and I want to read... Uh, I want to read... Um, the portion. If you have your Bibles in front of you, which I hope you do, turn to the uh, fifth chapter of Romans. We're going to read 15 through 21, and I'm going to read. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one man be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abound unto many. And not, not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in the life of one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. This is a very important verse. Verse 20. We're going to be talking about this for the rest of the evening. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin aboundeth, grace did much more abound. That the sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, we're going to be really concentrating in verse 20. And um, I was asked to speak about grace and law. Uh, very, very polar opposites, but they're very important in our lives. Um, 
The best way I can start this, the best way I can paint you this picture is Christianity is set apart from every religion by one deed, by one act. If you study anything else from Judaism to Muslims to Quran, Taoism, to anything, Confucianism, even to atheism, any religion, any ism I would call it, you have to do something to qualify. There has to be something that you do to make the cut. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, you have to preach to a certain amount of people to make the 144,000. If you do another religion, there is something that you have to do to make it in. The one thing that stands out in Christianity, and no other religion in the world has it, is it, is, it has been done. You can't do anything. Every religion, you have to do something. Christianity, it has been done. And I kind of want to talk about that because this is not an easy um, topic when you start talking about what law is and what it represents. Why this is not an easy topic is because of who I'm speaking with. Young people, the main issue, the main cause with young people is we struggle with sin. We struggle with lust. And I've heard many times that all you have to do is just flop over like a dead fish and it'll all go away because of the grace of God. And that's not the case. And I've been on both sides where I was zealous for the law and I was zealous for grace. And today my desire is not to pick a side. My desire is to tell you what Paul is talking about in Romans. What scripture is talking about. And why I say this is because you see that extreme. You see the extreme on one side where people live and do what they want under grace, which is called cheap grace. And then you see the other side where people are so zealous for the law that that is higher for them than the salvation of Jesus Christ. The, the cross is not good enough for them. They have to add something to the cross. They have to do something to make themselves feel better or on a higher note. And again, I want to talk with a grain of... of uh, rice or with, with uh, caution because I don't want you leaving here thinking the law is not effective, the law is not important. I want to talk about the main role of what the law does for us first, where it leads us as a human, and then the grace aspect of it. Alright? The first thing, growing up in the Slavic church, and this is a positive light, theologically speaking, uh, the Slavic church teaches the law as good as anyone out there in a good way. The only issue I had personally in my life is I knew the law before I ever knew Christ. I knew the rules before I ever knew who Jesus Christ was. I knew how to dress, how to act, how to talk. I knew how to play the Christian before I was ever a real Christian. And that's where a lot of people, I would say in the church, and I'm not talking about the Slavic church, the church across the world, that's where we falter. That's where you can get into a lot of trouble in your life. Because the main role, I'm going to sum it up in one verse. The main role of the law is to make you look like a sinner. Make you realize who you truly are. Now let me paint you a picture. Okay? You have a boy. You have an incredibly large magnifying glass. And you have an ant. Okay? It is a sunny day. That ant is crawling here across the ground. The boy is holding that magnifying glass upon that ant, trying to burn that ant. Picture that in your head, okay? This is what the law is, okay? You are that ant. The magnifying glass is the law. And the sun, the heat is sin. 
That's exactly the main role of the law in our lives. The more you study it, the more you love it, the more you like it, the more you realize who you are. The more you realize how deeply deprived you are. And I know there's, there's teachings which I extremely disagree with when they say Jesus Christ came and that's not the case. On the contrary, I believe when Christ came, he brought a bigger magnifying glass, a stronger magnifying glass. Think about this, okay? If you're married and you look at another woman, you have committed adultery. It's literally when God looks at a man, when he's looking at another woman with lust, there's no difference between this man than the man who hires a prostitute. No different. All right, let's take it to a more practical thing. If you hate a brother or sister as a believer, what does the Bible say? It's murder. So for example, you hate that boy or girl because they rejected you. You hate that boy or girl because they stole the girl that, or boy that you like. Or you just don't like them because they're not seeing eye to eye with you. That hatred, when God looks at that hatred, it is the same as you taking a gun, putting it to someone's head and pulling the trigger. No different. The purpose, the goal of the law is to show us who we really are. To show us who we are. The problem with that is what we do, what I did in my life is instead of taking it and realizing who I am, my need, my desire, my dependence on Christ, what I do is I practice the law, I follow the law, and I keep score. What I do is I, I practice it and I do it so then I can feel better about myself. That has never been the purpose of the law. I have never found the verse in the Bible. I have never shown me anywhere. I, I challenge you, I ask you, show me where that's the purpose of the law. Where that's the goal of the law. I'll never forget it. In my life, when I was in this season, I was so zealous for God, I literally had an Excel spreadsheet. I kept the days I fasted. I kept the days I preached. I kept the days and hours I prayed. The books I read, it, it is incredible. I remember preparing the sermon and I looked at my old Excel spreadsheets. The most I've ever read in one month was 21 books in the Bible. And they weren't the epistles or the minor prophets. It was like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Psalms. I was reading. I was like, I was looking at it like, man, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I look at that and that's what made me feel like it. But when I look back, when I stop and I look back, the problem with that was, the biggest problem with that was, I, why was I doing it? What was my motive? There was no relationship. I wasn't seeking God for the sheer love of God. I was doing it to keep score. I was doing it so I can write down. I was doing it that I may boast. That's the one fundamental issue I see in many, many, many young people who are zealous for the law. Because they think when they do it that they're going to have some kind of brownie points with God. They're going to get his attention faster and more quicker than anyone else. And that's on contrary to what the scripture teaches. And you see that. And I'm telling you right now, as a, as a preacher, I, I see that all the time. Why I love, I love working with drug addicts. I, I love it. You know why? Because when you walk in and you look at him and say, hey, you're a sinner. He's not going to look back and you say, no, I don't know. I've been pretty good. He's not going to say that. He's not going to defend himself. He's not going to argue. He's going to look right back at you and say, I know. I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need a savior. But when you talk to a young brother and sister, listen, and I'm not trying to discourage you to not 
be good. You just have to understand. You'll see where I'm leading with this. Okay? I look at this young person. Always behaved. Active at church. In, in, in the choir. Active. Uh, uh, reads the Bible. Uh, searches scripture. And I look at him. I say, hey, you're a sinner who needs a savior. And they're like, no, 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 no. You got the wrong person. Not me. I've always been good. I've always behaved. I've always sought the Bible. I've always been in church my whole life. But when you really start looking at the law, the law, what the law says is all of us are sinners. All of us have an issue. All of us have a cancer, a disease that we can't solve, that we can't figure out. Think about the men who came to Christ in Matthew 7. Lord, Lord, have we not done miracles in your name? Have we not done this in your name? Have we not done this in your name? I truly believe these men knew who Christ was. They knew he was holy. They knew he was awesome. He was powerful. They knew who he was. The problem, the problem, the, the main critical problem is they didn't know who they were. They didn't know themselves. That's why Jesus says, I have never known you, you workers of iniquity. To sum it up in new terms, sinners. They didn't know they were sinners. You can know everything about God. You can know the love of God. You can know the power of God. You can know the scriptures. But if you don't know that you are a sinner, why do you need a salvation? Why do you need a savior? You don't. That's the one fundamental issue that I have with the law that I struggle with that I see in many young people. They live by it and they swear they're going to be saved by it. I'm here to tell you that the main role of the law is to make you look, see yourself in the mirror and realize who you are. The law has never saved anyone. The law has never made anyone better. It can't. It was designed for that purpose. It is literally written right here. It leads us to the depravity and the knowledge of who we really are. And this is what I want to talk about. I'm going to lead to this because you can't go from law to grace without the middle word. That's called sin. I'll never forget, you know, people ask me this all the time. Why do I work with young people? And I remember I was using this example in my church. Uh, I was asked a couple of times, why do you do that? Why won't you just go and serve uh, young families? Go in the same season. Why do you love working with young people? Because me personally, in my own life, that's where I most struggle. That's where I, I feel like personally in my life where um, I was most misunderstood. You know, growing up in middle school, growing up in high school, uh, I never understood my parents. They didn't understand me. I never understood the church. The church didn't understand me. School didn't understand me. I didn't understand them. Any authority in my life, I had an issue with. I felt this empty gray in my life. I don't know how to explain it to you. Now, I wasn't this like emo guy who walked around in school and I was sad. I was that jock, the loud guy. I was confident in myself. But I'm telling you the truth, how, how it was. I would go home, I would lay in my pillow and I was so empty, so deprived that I literally sat there and I would cry and I'd say, Lord, why did you create me? I would beg God to just dismantle me, make me disappear, non-existence. And I remember looking back after I became a believer, I looked back at this situation in my life and I knew the one issue, the ultimate issue was I was separated from my creator. I was separated from my God, my father. And that separation was sin. I didn't get it. No one justified it. No one explained to me. When I became a believer, I started reading this book. It's called the Bible. I started studying the Bible. I started studying the law. How David says, I, I 
thirsted for the law. I love the law. I started loving the law. I love the law. But I'm telling you right now, the more I read it, the more I realize how much I need Jesus Christ. The more I realize how dependent I am on him. Less on me, more on him. And what's interesting to me, what's interesting, the, the whole crazy thing about it is, when I look at this right now, today, right now, as a Christian, I feel more like a loser, I feel more like a sinner than I did when I was 18 and 16, 17, when I wish I didn't exist. I feel I'm worse off right now than I did then. But watch, watch how wonderful this is. Watch what Paul says, I'm going to read it. But where sin aboundeth, grace did much more. When you become a child of God, instead of going insane, because he, I promise you, the more you get closer to God, the more you realize how dependent you are on Him. The more you realize how sinful you are. The more you realize how many problems you have. Your character, your laziness, your procrastination, your anger, your patience, how little you have of everything. But grace abounds. Grace gives you that sanity. Grace gives you that hope. And this is where I want to concentrate. This is where I want to talk about this. Because here's the ultimate issue. We, as humans, how little we desire and seek God's grace. Okay, I want to paint you a picture. I like pictures, okay? Grace, I've, I've heard this example, and I, honestly, I'm, I'm in disagreement with it. A lot of people say your relationship was, with God is like a marriage, you know, especially a young man. I, I've seen young men come out in the pulpit, just got married, come back from their honeymoon, and they're telling me how their relationship with God is just like their marriage. And they have no clue what they're talking about. All right? Marriage, I'm just telling you right now, if you're not married, you will know if you are married you'll say amen marriage is a you scratch my back i scratch your back relationship i love my wife i love her but she is good to me she cooks she cleans she takes care of the kids she's good there's it's a relationship i help i support uh i lecture her like i lecture the you no no i don't do that but there, there's a, it's a you and me relationship all right and I'm here to tell you, I've been married for five years. If I come home and she's mean to me, I will be mean back. And I was talking to Zoe about that. And she's like, yeah, if I was there, I'd say amen. That's the truth. If I'm mean to her, she's mean to me. That is not grace. This is how grace is. I was going to put a picture up, but I forgot to send it to you guys. I have a four-month-old son, Wesley. Wesley in English, Vasa in Russian, because no, no Russians know how to say Wesley. All right? He is the cutest chubbiest squishy little baby you've ever seen you hold him he looks at you he gives you a funny face and he poops my wife calls it explosions like through the diapers everything i don't clean it i hold it as far as i can my son and i give him to my wife and i go away when he's clean i take him back all right but i love him i love him i will die for him i can't explain this love but i do and what the craziest part about this love is, he cannot pay me back anything. He can do nothing but poop in his diaper. He can do nothing. That's grace. That's the love of grace. God looks at us. Think about it. How foolish we are. We think we can pay God something. Ilya thinks I can preach a sermon to impress God. God literally spoke everything in existence. How beautiful you think that sounded? Earth, be here. Let there be light. How beautiful that was. God is not impressed by me. I can do nothing to pay him back. It is his sheer love, sheer kindness towards me. 
And I'm telling you, when you grow in Christ, when you grow as a Christian, you'll realize that your day by day can only go through the grace of God. You realize how little you have in control. You realize how little power you have. And it's literally nothing but the grace of God. That is what, what supplies me. That is what gives me hope. And on top of that, you can tell when someone realizes this, the love of God. You can tell by looking at them. You can tell by their ministry. You know, I'll give you a hypothetical. Seven years I've been working in rehab. And I've shared this with you before. Seven years I've worked with rehab and everybody thinks I've went through rehab. Everyone thinks I've done drugs. I have never been high. I've never held marijuana. I've never held a cigarette in my life. I've never smoked a cigarette. I don't even know how it feels to smoke or vape or any of that stuff. I don't know. But you know what? I work with drug addicts. Why? Because I love them. I don't know how. I, I, I get it. I don't know. But God gave me that love. I look at them for seven years. Every week I go there. I, I bring food, money. I invest my time with her. I leave my family and I go there. And I stopped and I said, why am I doing all this? And if I don't love them, I would be crazy for doing all this. So the only answer I have, the only thing I can understand is that I love them. And the only way I know I love them is because God loves me. He looked at Ilya, horrible, selfish, prideful, stinky, the worst of the worst, and he loved me, and loves me, and continues to love me. I could do nothing, nothing to make him love me more. And I understand this is so hard. For me, this, to this day, I struggle. Think about this. No matter how many times I spend and fast for this sermon, God's grace is the only thing that's going to make it efficient. God's presence is the only thing. I can't add my own strength to it. And it's so hard to understand this because we understand what cheap grace is. I lived through that also. Well, I remember when I became a believer, I'm like, I got God's grace. I'm going to go watch shows, potato chips on my phone, social media, video games. I lived like that. It was fruitless. There was no growth. But there's a different type of love, a love that changes you. A love that doesn't let you sit there and be comfortable. A love that you're not satisfied with your walk. You will never be satisfied. And it only happens when you understand what grace is in your life. It only happens when you understand that you're a sinner. If you are sitting there today and thinking, well, I grew up in the church. I've been a Christian my whole life. It is impossible to do that. It is impossible to be that. There has to come a point in your life where you realize who you are as a sinner in God's eyes. And you have to understand his sheer love. By grace, through faith, you are saved. That's what Paul said. Not by works that you may boast. It is literally by grace and grace alone. The question I have for you is, have you accepted that in your life? I don't care if you sing in worship or in choir. I don't care if you serve in church. I don't care how long you've been going to church. That tells me nothing about you. The bottom line is, do you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for you and that was sufficient enough to save you? That was good enough. Because what I struggled with, what I see in young people today is, I love Jesus. He died for me. He resurrected. But I got to do this also. But I, I have to add to this. That's not grace. That's law. That's where we falter. So we're going to stand up for prayer. I want to ask you, and I want you to ask yourself, I sent questionnaires, and they're going to follow up on all the things we talked about. I want to ask you today, was the blood of Jesus Christ, was that sufficient for you? Was that good enough for you? When you look at that, when you think about that, do you say, that was enough for me to be saved? 
Or is there something else that's helping you? Is there something else that's making you um, think twice or contradict or, or that's not enough? Because if that's the case, I'm here to tell you that I question your salvation. I question where you are with God. It is impossible to be saved by the law. It is impossible for that to lead you to righteousness. It is grace and grace alone. That is why we believe in God. That is why we believe in what Jesus Christ did. Because that's all we can do is believe. By faith, by grace through faith, we are saved. Let's stand up. We're going to pray. And I ask that this grace, this grace that's sufficient, this grace that's everything that you ever need in your life is in your life. That's the one, one interesting thing about grace. Grace is only for the born-again believer. There's a difference. You can't be a sinner. You can't be living in the world. You can't be out there and have grace. It's impossible. That's called mercy. God's mercy is on the sinner. God's mercy is on the world. God is patient. He, he's loving. He's holding back his wrath on the sinner. I can tell you grace is the most wonderful thing I have in my life. It, it is sufficient. It is what drives me, my wife, my children. It is what gets us through day by day. It is how I grow in Christ. It is how I read, how I have a desire to seek Him. It is His grace, His love towards me that that happens. Mercy is for the non-believer. Don't switch them. Don't mix them. Grace is for the child of God. If you want this grace, this real love, if you've never felt it, if you don't understand it, you have a chance today. Bow your head and ask Christ to come in. Say those words. Say it by faith. Believe it in your heart and profess with your mouth. Romans 10, 9, 10. Say it, Lord, I believe in you. You are good enough. This is all I need to be a child of God is you coming into my life, changing my life. Because here's the truth, the matter of the whole fact. No matter how hard you try, and I've said this, you cannot get to God. You can't go to God because you are in your own realm. You can't leave your realm. You can have an experience. You can pray. You can have a vision, a, a dream, but you can't leave and go to God. The only way this happens is if God leaves his realm and goes to you. He comes in to live into your heart. So if you want to accept him, we're going to pray.